1: Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. This podcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at DirectTV.com. And with that, I am Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer, and this is another episode of 1% Better. And As usual, it's busy as hell on the (laughs) Colts' (laughs) feet. Oh, my God. So, we've both been doing this a long time, and I don't think we can ever remember a preseason. We haven't even played a game yet, okay? Not even had a game, that counts at least, and we have had just you name it has happened so far, so... Uh today's a big day also in the NFL because it's cut day. So teams have to get their rosters to 53 men. That usually tells us a little bit about what their team looks like going into week one. So we'll get to that in a second. And I think first though we need to just kind of address the news of the week, not even the news of the day. And yeah. Are you tired of hearing about COVID? Yes, because you've been hearing about it for 18 months. But guess what? Buckle up, because you're going to hear more about it, because it's going to impact this Colts team this year, and it already has. And Zach, so we've got quarterback Carson Wentz. Uh, we've got left tackle Eric Fisher, wide receiver Zach Pascal, and center Ryan Kelly on the COVID list. Uh, this now is in addition to the other players that have come off, including Quentin Nelson, who was activated yesterday. So it has been just one tiring event after another. And we have to get to the core of this. These are mostly close contacts. And that, as you may or may not know as a listener, that only occurs if you are unvaccinated. If you are a vaccinated player and come into contact with someone who is positive, as long as you continue to test negative, you can come to practice. You can play in games. You can do whatever you need to do. If you're unvaccinated and you have that close contact and we wear those contact tracers when we're out there, even Zach and I, then you got to go. And it's five days minimum. You're sitting at home wondering what could have been. So that's where the Colts are right now because they got a bunch of unvaccinated players. And I'm not judging them. doesn't matter what I think. These are the facts. So, Zach, uh, I think let's try to spin this forward a little bit because people know they know what's happened. I think today was a very pivotal day. Because we really had, I think, our most intense conversation with Frank Reich on this topic. What did you learn from that? I know you're writing about it. What, what did you take away and what did you learn from that?
2: Yeah, before we get into what Frank said today, and I thought it was, you know, the toughest questions we've had to ask him at this point. Yeah. Um, Let's go back to last week. I felt like there was a lot of positive momentum with this team. I really did. And yeah. even after Quentin went on the COVID list, he came back really quickly. And so you've got Carson putting together a full week of work, no setbacks with a foot. That's really good news. You've got Quentin coming back, you've got Kelly back. This team was really moving in the right direction. And then you had the TY news on Sunday, which feels like a week ago, it was two days ago. <laughs> I forgot. And boom, the bomb hits on Monday that Carson, Zach Paschal and Ryan Kelly are all close contacts to a staff member who tested positive. Um, and then you've also, in addition to that, got your left tackle, Eric Fisher, who may or may not have been ready for week one. I don't want to say definitively, but it sounded like that was at least a thought that crossed Frank Reich's mind. So I think it, doesn't it was matter on the nothing. table, yeah. Yeah, which is crazy if they would have had their their entire offensive line ready to go. This is the reality of it, and I know people are tired of listening to uh, about COVID, and I know we're tired of talking about it, but it's a reality that's not going to go away. And I think your story nailed it yesterday that – it's the close contact situation that's going to be such a pain for this team this season because it's not like you get one and then you're done for the season this is going to continue to happen and if it happens on a thursday or friday in october or november these guys are out and if it happened if this would have happened in the regular season you're out a starting wide receiver you're starting quarterback and your starting center and that's probably not something you can overcome depending on the opponent right Um, That's the reality. And the teams that are fully vaccinated, which there are some, the teams that are 90%, they're going to have a competitive advantage. The Colts are not one of those teams, and this is going to be costly. And I tweeted this out last night. It's not a matter of if this hurts them in the regular season. It's a matter of when. And this is the question I asked Frank Reich today. Isn't your franchise quarterback the leader of your franchise, the guy you're investing $98 million into, you traded a first and a third of the Eagles to get this guy? Isn't he, doesn't he have to be held to a higher standard? Isn't he more, uh, isn't more on his shoulders to be available for his team? And and Reich said, look, you know, I think Carson's a great leader in some ways. We all need to be better. Um, the reality is he hasn't been available this training camp due to injury and due to this COVID situation. And he's just hurting the team as they get ready for Seattle.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't spin this, right? At the end of the day. I don't care if you're the the most extreme anti-vaxer or if you are whatever that is, right? I don't know what is what's defined as an anti-vaxer. Whatever. Whether you are on either side of this issue uh, in the most extreme way possible. The one thing we can all agree on is that the quarterback is not in the lineup this week and they've got oh about, you know, 10 days or so to opening day. And not only that, but the quarterback has already missed three weeks of action. He's not had a single full team practice in full pads. <laughs> That's right. what we're talking about. This guy is new,
3: and he's new to the team, and, he's and these new. are new receivers to him. It's a disaster. Come From on, man! Like you can't spin that. If,
2: if, I mean, if you're just talking football, fiasco. which is our job, yeah, it, it's a mess. It's and
3: a fiasco, and it, and, and this week was this week needed. was everything. This it's week was huge.
2: It's completely avoidable. That's the mm-hmm. reality of it. Whether you agree or not, it's completely avoidable.
1: And this was, I think you you made a great point in saying that there was this positive momentum. Because I got to tell you, I mean, we all sat around as media last week and, you know, saw how Carson was throwing the ball, how he was moving. We see Eric Fisher moving around. And, I mean, it did kind of allow you to say, you know what, we thought this team was pretty good and I'm starting to buy it. They're pretty good. And I still think they can be, but... There's this eight thousand pound pound gorilla, just sort of ready ready to like sit on them and squash them, <laughs> you know. That's what COVID really kind of is for this team. And but again, I think you made a great point in saying you know the tide seemed to be turning, and then the the Ty injury came, and that's huge. I don't think you can overstate that. But I do think that is what it is, right? I mean, you you can you, nothing you can do about injuries. Right. That's unavoidable. That happens. I also think that T.Y.'s role, I'm not diminishing it, but I think that the loss of T.Y. Hilton now isn't what it was two or three years ago when that used to happen and the Colts had no chance. They're a better team now. So like I think that was something they could conceivably overcome. It's tough, but they, they could conceivably overcome it. But this idea, this notion that you know you could lose a key player at the drop of a hat at any time this year – Granted, that could happen with COVID, but with even a vaccinated player testing positive, that that can and does happen, but it happens far less frequently. And number two, the standards are just not the same. They're not even close. They're just not. So so again, as I said, you can talk about this from whatever viewpoint you have of, of vaccination, of the restrictions, or whatever. It doesn't even matter. They are what they are. They're not going to change because you don't like them. And you're going to have to navigate it. And And the Colts are at the low end, if not the absolute lowest team
3: in terms of vaccination percentage. That is where and they it's, are. It's going to go down.
2: It's going to go down. And i got that from someone who knows. Um, I, you know, by my count, half the starting offense is unvaccinated. Yes.
1: Yeah. No, that's not an exaggeration. You,
2: you guys all out there, you guys know, but three or four of these teams' very best players are unvaccinated. And that's, you know, whether you agree with the NFL guidelines or not, it doesn't matter. They're not changing. And secondly, it's the same for every team. And the Colts are going to be behind the eight ball in terms of this all season. It's just the reality. And what did you think of Frank said, what Frank said today when we kind of pressed him on not just Carson, but I thought your question was good. Like, what is the response you get from an unvaccinated player when you're trying to convince him? And do you yeah. feel like you should push harder? And does that hurt you in the long run? I thought his answer was really interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, I figured he would—he would be ready for this, this conversation because he had to know it was coming, and he was. And you're right. What I asked him was, okay, you—you you say you've had a lot of dialogue, and I don't doubt that he has. And he's not the only one. I'm sure Chris Ballard has had this. Conversation, you know, Leaders like DeForest Buckner, who are vaccinated, I'm sure, have had this conversation. So my question was, OK, well, what are they telling you just generally? And is it do you understand it? Does it further frustrate you when you hear whatever their whatever their excuses are? And he said, yeah, sometimes it does leave me frustrated. And it was like one tiny little moment of. <laughs> I guess real pure honesty from Frank. Not that he's a liar. He's he's not a liar, but like he he does a really good job of never really letting his emotions kind of right. you know show right. And that was one little instance where he said, "Yeah, you know what? Damn it, yeah, I do get frustrated." He
2: didn't say "damn it" because I mean, God forbid. Can <laughs> but, you blame him? Like no. he's got he's got to win this year, whether guys are vaccinated or not, and and his next on the line, and, and Chris has got to win too, and. This has got to be frustrating for them. This has got to you know, be really frustrating for them.
1: It's so easy to get up there and say, well, not easy, but it's it's one thing to get up there and say what he what he said at the opening, which was, and, and you asked and others asked, you know, aren't you, aren't you kind of like ticked off that you know this could happen at any time this year? What, how do you deal with that? And and his answer was, no, I don't think about it. You know, we're we're concentrating on the game at hand and we block it all out. Okay, yeah, I I understand you have to do that. I understand the mentality, right? Everybody gets, you know, the team mentality. That is an important thing. I understand that. But it's also not realistic, okay? <laughs> so, and I think that was his way of saying, yes, I'm frustrated. Like, because it was his way of saying, I don't agree with the rationale from some of these guys. And then he said, "In no, others, I, I kind of understand where they're coming from. But, uh, and then the other thing he said you know, to to finish the thought that you asked me about, the other thing he said was when I asked, "Do you think that you could be more forceful, or do you think that would be counterproductive?" And I think his answer was the latter. He he said he thought that in the short term, it might uh, create some benefit for them to be more forceful and and kind of come down on guys who aren't vaccinated. Not that they could like cut them for that reason or something, but just you know really stress to them and and be more. Um, more stringent about this. He said they could do that, and, and it might bear some results in the short term. Maybe it would get some guys to, to react, right? He said he thought, though, in the long term, it would have a negative effect. And I think what he means by that is they have a really unique balance in that locker room, and he has really unique relationships with his team, and he doesn't want to shake that up. You can agree or disagree, but he's acknowledging something that's real, right? Right? and yeah they have built something really unique i mean what did you take from that because yeah i get i get that juxtaposition
2: i understand where it's coming from and that's something the fans probably maybe didn't think about slash are it's easy to overlook that as a fan because your media is is guilty of this as well we think short-term you know we see the short-term play the immediate event the next story You know, Chris is thinking long term. Frank is thinking, you know, less so long term. But here's the quote. I think it's it's important to read the whole quote. I think being more forceful can pay short term dividends, but it might cost you in the long term. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about trust, and I think I learned this from a lot of great leaders, but I think I learned it the most from Tony Dungy, where sometimes it seems like the obvious answer is to come in with the hammer, and the problem with the hammer. Is that there's a lot of collateral damage that you don't see until later i believe what chris and i are talking about when we build this thing is long term we want to be a perennial perennial contender we want to believe in order to do that it starts with trust there has to be a relationship among the team and its players of trust that's a process it's a process for us for us to learn what that is what it looks like each one of us and and he's right he's absolutely right in that regard whether you agree how the Colts are handling the COVID situation or not, if you want to see an example of why trusting the players and management is important, look what happened in Green Bay. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, one of the most talented quarterbacks of his generation is at war with management because he doesn't trust them. And this is not to the same level, but you know, I think the Colts are among the best teams in the league at that. I think that's been well-documented. We've told you stories about what Chris and Frank have done with these guys. The players have said that as well but this is delicate and this is an individual decision that they have acknowledged with very real consequences on the entire team and on the entire building. And that's a delicate balance to sort of find. And I think they've maybe struggled with that because, you know, these guys, these leaders of this team who are not vaccinated, I don't get the sense that they're changing their mind anytime soon.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's a big reason why coming in with the hammer it is potentially counterproductive and I get the fans frustration, but I think they've been having these conversations for months, right? Frank knows where these guys stand and, and you and I know where some of them stand. <laughs> okay. And so if you don't get the sense they're going to change their minds, then what is the the benefit of, of bringing that hammer and, and you know, creating that collateral damage that Tony Dungy talked about, which I, Think is a perfect example, right? I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you don't go change a light bulb, you know, with a bulldozer, right? You know, it's <laughs> you have to be delicate, right? And so that's kind of, it's kind of what's happening here. So I, I appreciate Frank's tough position. It's a real yeah. thing, and and I think he underst- the thing you got to understand about Frank Reich. He understands people better than just about any coach, and I think he just has a talent for that. He understands people you got 53 guys from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, and I think Frank Reich has done as good or better a job of any coach I've dealt with of of understanding how to reach each one of those guys uniquely and where they are. He gets that, and I, I really think that goes back to his time as, as a pastor in the ministry because that is the job as a pastor. So I think he gets that, and that is a talent of his, and this is one of those times where he's really having to, I think, tap into that but but it also I can also understand why it's frustrating as a fan you know especially even after a loss right or or for guys playing poorly you the fan you want to hear the coach say damn it he's got to play better
3: yeah <laughs> it's yeah. not his style man you know it's just not and and, and if you're a
2: fan I, you know a lot of times you can live with a loss if if they played well if they gave it their best shot etc right mm-hmm. it's hard to live with the loss, I'm imagining, if if you didn't give it your best shot because your franchise quarterback is on the sideline or he's not in the stadium because he refused to get a vaccine in July. And and that's that's frustrating. And I can I can totally appreciate that side as well. And that's the thing that's different this year. Last year there was no vaccine, and the players did their best to avoid it. And then you lose Buckner and Taylor and Autry for that Tennessee game, and, and that's what happens. This year yeah there's a vaccine, it works, it's out there. And you've got guys who are not going to take it. And that's going to put them in jeopardy. That's going to put the team in jeopardy. That's the reality of this from a football angle. And it, it just feels like what we had happened yesterday, when three guys went down to the COVID list, could happen at any point this fall. And that's going to hurt them. It's going to come back to bite them.
1: I'll just, you know, sort of put a bow on it by saying this. I mean, it is, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of viewpoints on this. And None of us here are, are epidemiologists, but I I have lived in the world for the last eighteen months, <laughs> so I think we've all learned a little bit, as have you. And, and and the one thing I can tell you is it's pretty simple, right? When we started two thousand twenty-one, America was in a pretty dark place. Okay, right? I mean, COVID was running wild. We were, I think, past half a million deaths. It's terrible. I mean. It's depressing to think back to that, right? The economy was a mess, getting better, but things had a long way to go. And what happened within a a month or two, vaccines became widely available and compare life right now to life, say, eight or 10 months ago. There's no comparison. No comparison. So to suggest that the vaccines haven't had an effect is is absolutely ridiculous. They've clearly had an effect. That's all that changed. The only thing that changed is we have a means to address COVID. So that's where the NFL is coming from, you know. And I I don't think you can fault them for for wanting to increase player vaccination rate when you have a pretty. Stark example right in your face, right? Just living in America now versus then. It, it's, it's pretty clear the vaccine is responsible
2: for that. So we're not going to uh, agree on a lot of things yeah. as a collective group. But I think the one thing, this is what I always go back to the one thing we can all agree on is that we want to get out of this, right? Yeah. Like, I want to go back to real life. Like, I don't yeah. want to, like, it's there's so many examples I can give and everybody out there I think wants the same thing. And I think it's undeniable that a vaccine will get us closer to that. And the more people we get vaccinated, the closer we will get to going back to life in 2019 and 2018 when we could do anything we wanted that we can't do now. And those things we take for granted then that we definitely won't in the future. So yeah, that's my TED talk for today, but um, this is gonna be real for the Colts the rest of the year. It's gonna be yeah. a lot. I, I messaged someone in the building, not Ballard, Um, about the chaotic 24 hours and I said it's gonna be a long season and the word I got back was yep so here we go they
3: know it they know it so there are other things happening as we said Um,
1: we'll have plenty of time to talk about COVID I suspect before the season's out unfortunately so we'll deal with that later Uh, moving on there are other things as I said going on I I think the, let's Before we get to the, the cuts, I think the T.Y. Hilton news is worth drilling down on a little bit. Uh, I gave part of my opinion already. I, I do think that they are better positioned now to handle a, the loss of, of a guy like T.Y. Hilton than they were, say, in 2018, when they were still at the beginning of this building effort. You remember, obviously everyone remembers, he, he played on that. High and low ankle sprain.
3: Okay, <laughs> big big time and, stuff. I mean, the one of the toughest things I've ever seen in my years covering the forever NFL. changed my viewpoint on Ty Hilton that year. Yeah, one hundred percent. You talk about a guy who gave who left it out on the field. I mean, that's what he did,
1: and and he did that in part because he knew. All right, he knew what him being out of the lineup would mean. Right, he knew because he's lived it, and he's been on that sideline and had to watch you know, the the team be unable to move the football without him, right? They're not that team now, though. I think that, I'm not suggesting they have some all-star collection of wide receivers, but I think they have more depth. There's no question about that. They definitely have more depth there. They have a potentially elite running back here. He's got to prove that, but, I mean, he's on his way. And Jonathan Taylor, I mean, they have some legitimate talent on offense, and then Carson Wentz, his availability TBD, <laughs> but <laughs> I also think he's gonna start slow, by the way. There's just no way Carson Wentz is gonna be in midseason for him.
3: But eventually, I think Carson Wentz can be really good for this team. Okay. Yeah,
2: and I think I I think that was clear last week on the on the practice field. Like it just yeah. looks different. It looks like it should look and, and we talked about that last week. My initial thought when they lost TY for I mean it's gonna be several weeks um yeah october november probably right um I'll,
1: I'll tell you guys here they haven't established a timeline but don't be surprised if this thing is like a like a six-week deal like it that is entirely on the table so just to give you a sense
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on
2: your first wager. I'm not worried about Michael Pittman. I think he's ready. I think he was going to be wide receiver number one regardless of whether T.Y. was in there or not. And that's not a knock on T.Y. I just think the mantle is going to be passed. The key for me is Paris Campbell because I think he can step up. And he's not the same player as T.Y., but he can give the offense a different dimension that it needs right now. And that's not a knock on Zach Paschal because I just I take Zach Paschal for granted. I know he's going to step up. He's going to be there. He's never going to miss a game. You know what you're going to get from him. You don't know what you're going to get from Campbell. And I think the ceiling is higher with him. And they, they love him in the slot. They can move him around. He can get yards after the catch. So in terms of yards and targets and, and volume of the offense in ways that can produce big plays, I think Campbell can be a guy that steps up and he's had a great camp he was healthy that's the most important thing and if he stays healthy you could see him shoulder some of the burden that they're going to lose with with ty out and then secondly don't overlook naheem hines like i know he's not the starting running back and i don't even know if he's a runner or you know a receiver because he does both so well but he can fill that void in the offense to some degree he absolutely can He was their leading receiver last year in terms of catches. Remember that. He's got more catches in his first three years than any Colts running back ever. He was incredible on the practice field and training camp. And just talking to him for a story that I've got coming out this week or next, there is an edge to this guy. He is sounding different and playing different. And if you remember the last time they were on the field in a game that counted in Buffalo, the littlest guy on the field was one of the best players on the field. And two of the Colts' four longest plays that day came from Naheem Hines on the ground they weren't even passes they were on the ground remember he carried them back from that 14 point hole so two guys that could fill that void that could step up are Paris Campbell and Naheem Hines and and you know what they can do they got to stay on the field but it's not as big of a loss like you said that it would have been in 18 or 19 because they have Pittman and they have Pascal and they have Campbell and Michael Strawn is on the roster as well and I expect him to get some looks in the regular season. Probably not a lot, but we know that dude can play. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think they they have to figure out the roles, and that will happen probably organically. They'll they'll know what to do, but you know, guys have to. They'll that either step up or or they won't, and then you know they'll just shuffle accordingly. But I agree with you. I think I think Zach Pascal in his role today is a much different player than he was two or three years ago. This is a guy who's seen it all played in huge games I mean listen is he is he an elite player no of course not I mean is he a good player yeah and is he a guy who can who can fill pretty much every role out there in the offense yes he can do everything and that's required of those wide receivers in every spot on the field then I think with Paris Campbell what you have there I, I think is you know, a guy who in college was the gadget guy you yeah. know he, he that's what he was at Ohio State maybe it's sort of a or it's always been a staple in those urban Meyer offenses I think but you know, we'll see what happens in Jacksonville but but one thing that I think the Colts have figured out is that he's much more than that They told us that on day one we just haven't had a chance to see it but I think we saw that in training camp. He isn't a gadget guy okay they will do some gadgety things you'll see some end rounds you'll see screens you'll see that stuff they, they'll do that because why not right he's he's perfect for that. But he's a, he's a traditional receiver. And this I think what he gives you, and this is what the Colts always, always
3: missed when T.Y. would get hurt. He's only missed, I think, nine or ten games. In yeah, they were years. like one in ten with him, without yeah. him, right? It's, a, it's not a right. good look, right? So the one thing they were always missing when he was out of the lineup, in my estimation, is a guy who
1: could take the top off. And you just need that threat. It changes the way teams play defense. Paris Campbell can do that. There's no question yes. he can do that. Yes. So I think you... you. I'm not suggesting that he's as established. He's not. I mean, teams aren't going to just... They're, they're not going to just walk out on opening day and be afraid of him. You know, he's going to have to prove some things. But I think he has that ability. And if you start putting it on tape, now teams will have to plan accordingly. And the, the other thing... That I think you have with, with Paris Campbell is just a, a guy you can use in multiple roles as I've already said but but I think even as a traditional wide receiver I don't think he just has to be a slot guy uh, they can do some different things with him too so I I really think they're in a great place and you mentioned Naheem Hines I think you're going to see Naheem in the slot a lot too I mean yeah, not, not catching out of the backfield yeah, right. it's not just catching the ball out of the backfield they're going to split him out wide I think a lot more than maybe you're used to seeing and I'm all for it because they don't want to take Jonathan Taylor off the field that much either so you know it's all about getting your best players out there and the more good players you have the harder that becomes but that's a great problem to have I think they have some skill talent some underrated skill talent to be honest with you I I think it's really going to boil down to how they use them and how to maximize them that is going to be the task so that's up to Frank Reich Marcus Brady and the offensive staff but I think they have the chess pieces to figure out figure this out and to, to overcome the loss of T.Y. Hilton. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you mentioned Mike Strawn and that sort of uh, turns the pace to roster cuts because he's, you know, one of the you know, good stories, I think, one of the great stories really of this this preseason, a guy who, you know, comes out of the seventh round out of a division two school and, you know, comes up in the Bahamas where, you know, that football hotbed uh, and, and makes it onto an NFL roster as a rookie. So can't give that guy enough credit. I mean, what a, what a great job he did. But uh, they also kept Desmond Patton, who I, I think was in some jeopardy, and maybe yeah. the T.Y. Injury, T.Y. Hilton injury helped him. Uh, he also, I thought, had a really strong preseason in the games because in practice he was a little bit underwhelming. And I thought maybe they would take the chance of cutting him, but uh, he he made it as well. So uh, congrats to him. Uh, Just to – I don't know what your impressions were. I don't know how much time you've had to look at the the roster cuts, but was there anything that surprised you or was there any particular
2: takeaway that you had? Yeah, these aren't the final roster cuts. That's my takeaway. That's true. You know, because they've got the four on the COVID list. So they're going to have to move four of these guys off by – you know the end of the week maybe early next week um i don't know if isaac rochelle sees his way to the final 53 shout out to ben bandegu he earned it he deserves yeah. it um i don't think you cut him um we'll see what they do they, they made a trade today for matt Pryor. he's a backup offensive lineman swing tackle i talked to uh, our buddy zach berman in, in in philly and he said you know if, if Pryor's priors your backup swing tackle you're okay so um that's you actually know, not cut, something
3: I've ever said about the
2: Colts. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. I mean, that's that's still a problem. That's good. And they and they cut Will Holden because Will Holden wasn't good in training camp. It's that's the yeah. reality of it. And and Sam Tevy wasn't going to make the team either because he was even worse. Yep. Davenport is your left tackle for now. You hope Fisher can return soon. Um, no, no real surprises. I'm not sure Marvel Tell sees his way to the final 53. I didn't think he had a very good camp. But TJ Carey's knee is is up in the air, and, and it doesn't sound like he's going to be practicing this week or next week, so I don't think he's going to play against Seattle. But Patman, does he see his way on? I don't know. I think you could probably slip him on the the, the practice squad. But, you know, like you said, to start, congrats to Mike Strawn. If you're a young guy, you got to make it really hard for the team to cut you. And he played so well that the Colts couldn't cut him. So props to him. It's going to be a work in progress. But... Believe me, when, when Colts fans see this guy on Sundays as he develops, he's gonna be a fun player. You're gonna love watching this guy.
1: Yeah, like he he's gotta he's gotta get a lot more polished, right? But every young player needs that, right? I mean, you saw these quarterbacks, for example, in the preseason, right? Are they polished? No. Like there's some talent there. You gotta like refine it. But this guy is much further along, I think, just in terms
3: of Well, really, it's not even that he's further along. He's just more talented. He knows how to use his size
2: already, which is why he's here. I mean, if he didn't know how to use his size, he'd just be another big guy. But, you know, he needs to work on his routes and his releases and knowing Mm -hmm. the playbook. I mean, we've talked about that with Mike Groh, the receiver coach. But, like, you guys saw the preseason, the jump ball in the first preseason game. Easton threw it up. Great throw. Better catch. You know, he just used his size to block out that receiver. And this is the kind of receiver the Colts have wanted for years. They went out and signed Devin Funches, that never worked out. They drafted Pittman. You guys saw what he could do. They want to go get big bodied receivers and Strawn is the biggest of all.
1: Yeah, Chris Ballard has a type in case you haven't <laughs> paying attention. Right. right. <laughs> so, if you see them draft a uh, a 5-9 wide receiver, you need to I think someone needs to go in the draft room and figure out what happened to Chris Ballard because he's been taken hostage. So, Right. It, very clearly. Anyway, um and actually, I'm getting off the subject here, but I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, Chris Ballard saying he just wasn't a big T.Y. Hilton guy when he got the job here, <laughs> and he had to like he had to he had to grow on him a little bit. And I was like, yeah, I bet he did. <laughs> so that was not his type, but uh, he, there are definitely guys you make exceptions for. So anyway, I, I look at this roster. So by the way, Sa- Sam Ellinger, quarterback, is an interesting spot because Sam Ellinger's on here. Carson Wentz technically is on the COVID list so uh, he is not technically on the 53 man roster. He doesn't count at least for right yeah, now. I obviously. Yeah, the question is back. do they
2: do they add a quarterback cuz Sam's not healthy. So and he'll I go in the PUP and you've got well, one healthy you put him quarterback. on IR
1: is what you do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the one IR.
2: That's 3 weeks.
1: Uh minimum, yes, correct. And so I think you so you have to at least add somebody to the practice squad, I think. And, and the practice squad is more flexible now because of COVID. You can bring a guy up, you know, night before the game, morning of the game if you have right. to. So I think you've got to have a third quarterback either on the active roster or on the practice squad. It could be Brett Hundley, who was also cut today. I mean, you can have oh, a veteran on the practice squad, I if guess. He gets it.
2: Right, right.
3: There's also some other quarterbacks, I imagine, who are available right now, so we'll see. Um,
2: if he makes it feel any better, Jacob Eason... Is fully vaccinated, so he's uh, right. they got one guy, they've got one guy who's uh, and Sam Ellinger is vaccinated as well, but he's hurt, so never yeah. boring with this team. Never, why would it be boring,
3: right? One position I want to just hit on real quick uh, the defensive
1: line, I that's the one that catches my eye. That's a loaded group on paper, and so I mean, I look at some of the names there, obviously, DeForest Buckner. Just an absolute standout stud. Grover Stewart, you already know. You've seen that. Terrific training camp. Grover was great. He's got Pro Bowl potential. Agreed. I think. So that's going to be interesting. But I think they kept seven defensive ends. As you said, Rochelle may not stick around. I I was surprised he made it. But I think it's honestly, as you said, because they have some extra spots. But that was a tough position to make it. They had to cut a few guys there uh, that they kind of liked. Um for example, Andrew Brown, who had a really strong training camp, I thought. He was a guy that, that ended up getting cut over or in, in lieu of a guy like Taylor Stalworth, who was really effective last year, surprisingly great, effective. Great, great depth player, right? Yeah. And, you know, you've got guys like al Muhammad, who just does nothing but show up and, and help you win. He, he doesn't show up in the stat sheet necessarily, but the guy gives you good snaps off the bench and you know what you're going to get. I mean... He, they've been trying to cut that guy for three years, <laughs> they can't do it. So I, I, just, I love the depth there. The front line players, I think, are really good. Obviously, Buckner. Uh, we were talking about
2: Stewart. Uh, certainly, Quiddie Pay. Quiddie Pay, man. Like I was in Detroit and I watched him embarrass that dude mm-hmm. on the end. That dude started 11 games last year for the Lions and got cut this week. I mean, hmm. maybe it's on the quarterback for taking such a deep drop, but Pay just looks like he's for real and he's looked like he's for real from the day he got here and i just feel like they just nailed their first round pick especially at a position they had to nail and so you look at this is a tangent and i won't go forever but some of the other left tackles that were on the board those guys aren't playing right now because they're hurt and we'll see how things play out but the colts had serious concerns about those guys at those positions and they stunned a lot of people by not going left tackle in, in the first round They might have nailed that pick with Quiddie Pay for for a variety of reasons. So
1: let's let's that's fine. Let's go down that road here a little bit, just for a second. So let's say they get some middling left tackle in the draft, one of those guys who who may or may not even be good. We have no freaking clue because they're not playing right. Let's say that let's say that one of those guys ended up here and he ends up being sort of a yeah you know he's okay. He's an average left tackle like that. That's a good thing to have, right? I want I want at least a, a serviceable player at left tackle. But is that more valuable than than a right defensive end who's coming off the ball as fast as this kid is
3: and, and giving quarterbacks hell? I don't think you can compare. Which I, I mean this is can.
2: a different these are different players, but would you rather have Tarek Glenn for ten years or Dwight Freeney for ten years? And I'm not saying Quiddy pays Dwight right. Freeney. We're not making the comparison, but I get what you're but, saying. Yeah. You're talking two guys that are elite at their position. I could I could hear either case, but I, I'd probably lean Dwight Franey because he just wrecked quarterbacks for a long time, and that is one of the most valuable skills in the league right now.
3: But I don't even know if I, you might be giving the tackle in that scenario too much credit, to be honest. I am. These guys aren't even on the <laughs> field. You clearly they, are. <laughs>
2: they they like Darisaw, but they liked Quiddy better, and, and Darisaw has been dealing with an injury, and Tevin Jenkins in, in Chicago, who they traded up to get, had a back injury in college that has resurfaced. Yeah, that's that would a, that's leave scary you just hung there. out to dry right now.
1: Um, yeah, what, what, what would you there... be saying about the the general manager on Twitter right now if that were the case, right? And right. you would be justified,
2: right? No Absolutely.
1: Question. So yeah, I, I think
2: there there is some there is some value in pointing out the fact that four months later they hit on this pick. It very much looks like they did, and and they're going to get a lot of production from Cordy Pay in the years to come. And who knows how those left tackles careers play out, but. If you love the guy, go with the guy you love, not with the guy that fits the position you need. There, there is something to be said for that. Yeah, and
3: along the same lines, they didn't have a ton of draft picks this year, but uh, they ended up
1: parting with what two of them, or is it just the one? Uh, no, I guess uh, just their 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 fifth round pick, um, Sean Davis out of Florida. And he had a
2: late start to camp.
1: Yeah, he did. He he really didn't show anything. He'd been hurt most of the time and then really didn't show much in Detroit the other night. They did end up keeping Will Fries, the seventh round pick, I think from Penn State, I believe, uh, the offensive lineman. He, he actually, to his credit, he kind of was a late surge in or had a late surge in training camp and has shown them some position versatility there. So they like him, and, and we'll see what happens when the roster gets shaken up here in a little bit. He may or may not stick. He may be your practice squad guy, but he's in the mix. They like him, and they certainly like their, their seventh round, the other seventh round pick that I mentioned, uh, Mike Strawn. Uh, Sam Ellinger, I think, has a future, at least on the practice squad. We'll see what happens there. And Kyler Granson, is he's on the squad, and he's going to get some footballs this year, let me tell you. So... Even with the the roster being as competitive as it is, and it's very competitive, don't make no mistake. Um, the the rookies the rookie class did its thing, and I thought the rookie class was still pretty strong in the end. and And we haven't even talked about Deo Adengbo because he's going to be out with that Achilles tear for a while, but uh, they're definitely high on him. So you got to draft well when your roster is packed the way this one is, and. They seem to have done a good job just based on uh, those guys uh, at roster cuts right now. So that's interesting. Just a, you know, something to keep in the back of your heads. Um, what's what's your biggest concern here, just as we wind down? Biggest concern heading toward opening day? Boy, uh, this you, changes every week, doesn't it?
2: <laughs> it does. You know, yeah, it would have changed like two days ago. It would have been <laughs> T.Y. Hilton last week it would have been the third cornerback spot and you'd kill to have that be your biggest problem right now and that's yeah. rocky sins for the time being but we'll see he was bad in detroit then he went saw that touchdown um it's not ty hilton it's carson wentz that's the biggest yeah. concern in this COVID situation and that's the reality of this the season and i think carson could be great for this team i think he'll start slow not just because of the foot but i think joining a new team in a new offense it'll take some time especially against the good teams they're playing But the COVID thing is gonna linger in the back of my mind every week. It's just the reality of it. And they could lose some key players at any point. And there could be a Friday where we get one of those releases and it's just like, boom, and it's just gonna hurt their chances to win. So my, my overwhelming takeaway is it would be a damn shame if this team, which has been very well constructed, I think, that could really take the next step with a guy like Carson, if he fits in, if a season is torpedoed by COVID. And decisions not to get vaccinated. But that's the reality. And, you know, Frank believes in his guys and they're going to take every step they can to to push these guys to get the shots. But that's the reality. And I don't know how you overlook that heading into the season.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think with Carson, it's not just COVID, but also the, the double whammy here is the injury that he's coming off of. I think physically he looks pretty good, but he's missing valuable time in the lineup and is going to have a very, very short period to cram everything in and, and get some time on task with that offensive line and, and his wide receivers, he's not gonna have a whole lot of time. And the game plan is is on the way. They're putting that together this week. They're they're talking about the Seahawks every single day this week. This is not just general practice, you know, running some plays here and no, they're talking Seahawks now. So this is the real thing. I mean, I'm sure he can zoom in on the meetings Zoom meaning... No, man. He, he's been doing but, that for a month. He needs to be on the field. Right. But that's the deal. Exactly. He needs time on on the field, ball in his hand, and uh, actually running through this stuff. And, and the, the lack of preparation that they have had. Uh, if you're Frank Reich, there's no way you can tell me that you're sleeping well at night knowing your, your starting quarterback
2: has had zero preparation. There's just That's not yeah. a great situation. New, so. new quarterback on a new team, and he's going to have like six full practices in, in a no seven-week span to get ready for week one. Like, come on. That's just, no. Nah. Frank Wright can say that he's sleeping well, but there's no way. That's not optimum.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, uh, as the Colts turn, it's always something. Uh, we'll be back next week, and uh, you know, have a good Labor Day if you don't hear from us. There's still going to be lots of coverage on The Athletic, obviously. They keep us busy, so there's that. Uh, job security. So we appreciate that, I suppose. Um, <laughs> if you haven't subscribed, there is a special going on right now, I believe. I think it's like a 50% off deal. So it, uh, sort of a kickoff special. So take advantage of that, and lots of you have, and we appreciate those of you who've been on board either for a short period or a long period. So we thank, we thank all of you. Uh, So again, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. Thanks for listening. And this is 1% Better.